we find the Pasuk in this parasha that says as follows, There was a machlekes, there was a, an argument between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Light. Let's not fight. Let's not have a machlekes between us. The entire land is open to you. Let's disengage. Light chose the Kikar Hayardain, which was the area in which was found the terrible cities of Sudaim and Amira. So Avram, Avinu, and Light were, of course, related. Avram was the uncle of Light. They were very, very close. So much so that when Avram Avinu was told at the beginning of the parasha, Lechlucha, leave everything. He did leave everything, but he took his nephew Light with him because Light insisted on coming. So Light and Avram were inseparable. They were very, very close. Light was considered by Avram to be Anoshim Achim. We were, were brothers. That's a very big statement. If Avram Avinu is saying Anoshim Achim Anachnu, that we're like brothers, that means that he felt a very close Shaykhis to Light. And yet Light all of a sudden decides when he has to split from Avram Avinu to go to Sadaim, to go to perhaps the worst place, not perhaps, the worst place in the universe. If you would take all of the Tumah of Las Vegas and Greenwich Village and combine them, that wouldn't be Sadaim and Amaris. Sadaim and Amaris, Mamish, the worst place in the world. And this is the place that Light, the nephew of Avram Avinu, a person who was not a Pashi, he wasn't a Russia. He was a hush of a person. He was very close to Avram Avinu. He was Meisir Nefesh to follow Avram Avinu to, to Canaan. And then he went down to Mitzrayim with Avram Avinu. They were extremely close. And yet, at one point in history, light separates from Avram Avinu, and he doesn't just stop separating. One goes to Flatbush, one goes to Bar Park. But light mamish goes to the end of the, the opposite extreme. He leaves the Kedusha and the Tyra, the ethics, the morality, the chesed of Avram, the greatest human being perhaps ever to walk the face of earth. And he goes to the most decadent, the lowest place on the globe. How does such a thing happen? How is it Shayach to go in the Lashon of Chazami, Igra Rama Labira Mikta? from a, an elevated roof, you go from the top of the highest peak, and you fall precipitously, not just down to, the, to a cleft in the, in the mountain, but you go to the lowest valley. How does such a drop happen? How is it possible for us to imagine that a yid could go, or a light can go from such a high ramah of being in the closeness, in the embrace of Ramavino, to falling to Sadaim and Amira, to living in that area and to being part of that society. <coughs> the Gemara and Harius deals with this question. When it darshans a Pasuk in Mishlei, the beginning of Parag Yudchas of Mishlei, it says as follows Letaiva Yivakesh Nifrav. 
Ubechol Teishia Yiskawa. A hard pasuk to decipher. This is basically what it means. Letayva Yevakesh Nifrod. One who removes himself on account of taiva, on account of lust. A person has a craving, a person has a lust, a person wants to do something that he's not supposed to. Yevakesh Nifrod, so he wants to separate from where he was before in order to court that taiva. Ubechol Teishia he will be exposed in every Torah conclave. Every single place of Torah, every base medrash, every base aknesis, he will completely be eradicated and he will be exposed, he will be revealed for what he is. For being a person that's about taiva, a person that leaves the fold or leaves where he should be in order to go somewhere to follow his taivas. And the Gemara says, what is this Pasuk alluding to? What's it referring to? It's referring to Light, the nephew of Ram. Shenifrod me'avram. Who is this person that was? Lataivi Yavakesh Nifrod. He tried, he wanted to separate Light. Light wanted to separate, to separate from Avram Avinu. Why? On account of Taiva. Because he had a Taiva. And Rashi says, what was the Taiva for? There was some taiva for immorality on Light's part. There was some taiva to follow the Eitzahara, the taiva's Nashim. And because of this, Light made this terrible decision to leave Avram Avinu. He chose to leave the Kedusha, the Tire of Avram Avinu, the Yeshiva of Avram Avinu, the Beis Medish of Avram Avinu, the Tent of Avram Avinu, all in order to follow a taiva. Because Taivas led him astray to go after Neof, and Sedaim and Amer was the capital of Neof in the world. That was appealing to light. On the Madrega of light, again, we never like to completely, you know, castigate anybody in, in Tanakh, especially people that were so close to Avraham Avinu. But Chazal seemed to be doing it, but still we always have to give a disclaimer that it was Kafi Light's. We don't know how great light was. Probably we would all not be, be too bad off if we were on light's madrega. But Kefi's madrega, he had episvasa taiva for Neof in whatever, whatever that means. And because of that, he was separated. He made a decision to leave Avram Avinu. And because of that, he will be revealed in all of the citadels of Tyro. What does that mean? That the future offspring of light, Amen and Mayav, who would be begotten by light through, of course, the incestuous relationship with his two daughters and this parsha, Amen and Mayav, Hashem. A Yid is never allowed to marry somebody from Amen and Mayav. A male Amen and a Mayavi is not allowed, even after a hundred Dairis, you cannot marry somebody, a male from Amin and And so, this is why? All because of this one decision that he made to separate from Abraham Avinu in order to court Taiva. Had he not made that decision, he would be regular. We would be able to, inter- to marry with him if he's Megayer. But because he chose to follow his Taivas, Lataiva Vakesh Nifrod, 
He is revealed for what he is, and the Torah prescribes never, ever marry somebody from Ammonimaya because he comes from light. And light had this terrible decision to leave Avram Avinu and to go after his Taivas by, by going on the direction of Sadaim and Amir. And this, this decision of Purit from Abraham Avinu ultimately, Chazal tell us, led him to make the unbelievable statement, I don't want anything to do with Abraham Avinu. I don't want anything to do with his God. I am out of here. I'm making a decision. I'm packing my bags. And I'm leaving. I'm heading off to Sedan. And because of that decision, everything changed in the life of light and in his future destiny for all times. Now, we really have to understand this decision of life because it's very, very Negea for everybody. Because we have to understand that, and Rav Aaron Kudler speaks about this at length on this parasha, he says that there's a Gemara in Chagigo. The Gemara in Chagigo says on the Pasig in Kaihelas, Mo'obas la that if something is crooked, if it's bent out of shape, you can never really perfectly straighten it out anymore. What does that mean? Something that's bent out of shape means that at one point it was straight, and then it became crooked. And that's something that you can never really straighten up totally ever again. What's that talking about? That's referring to a Talmud Chacham who makes a decision that he's leaving Cairo. He's going to go off of the Derech. He was in Yeshiva and now he decides because he has a certain Taiva to leave the Derech, to leave the fold. That is the worst possible decision that somebody can make and it's not possible ever to rectify it. That's what the Gemara says. It doesn't mean you can't do Tshuva. You can do Tshuva. People do Tshuva. But it's a very, very, very difficult process. It's much easier for a person to have grown up non-observant, to have gone to public school, and to go to regular colleges, and then they're, 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 they go to the Kaisal and they meet somebody, and then all of a sudden they want to do tshuva. It's much easier for that to happen than for a person that went through the best yeshivas in the world, but then he decides to go off the derech to follow his taivas, such a person, it's very hard for him ever to come back to the pole. That's just the Matthias that we see in the Gemara, but we know that just anecdotally, we know that there are times that people go off the derech and they do not come back because they know enough to know what they left and they made a decision and they feel guilty and they don't feel they ever have a way to come back and it just gets worse and worse and they, they sort of drown in this decision. And so this is what happened to Light, says Ravaren Cutler. Ravaren Cutler was, Ravaren Cutler was the, the God of Adar, and he loved Taira, and he lived in, in the world of the yeshivas, and he saw this time and again, and he said that this is what Light, Light was the prototypical yeshiva bacher that decides to leave the derech in order to follow his haivis. Light was in the yeshiva of Ramavino. He was in the best place in the world, and somehow, some way, which we'll discuss soon, he made a decision to go and follow his taivas, to go to Sadaim. It can never really be rectified. That 
fateful decision is not subject to because somebody that's perished from the Torah, very hard to come back. Shana upirish kashemikulam chazal tell us if a person learns and then he's perished, he goes off the derech. The worst thing in the world, it's the hardest thing in the world for somebody like that to do tshuva. I know personally, there's mysis. We have throughout my yeshiva career as a bacher, as a as as a rebbe in different places. You see time and again, there are certain people that they could be wonderful guys in yeshiva, amazing. They are the superstars, and something happens, and they go off the derech, and they don't they don't ever come back. They never turn around. They never look back. You could try emailing them, which I've tried to do several times to certain people, and they just don't, they don't want to answer the email. They don't want nothing to do. They don't pick up the phone. They, they made a decision, and they live with that decision. It's a very, very sad thing, because deep down inside, I think they want to come back, but they, once they've made that decision, it's not impossible to ever return. It's interesting. You find in the descendants of light, you find that in the Megillus Rus, so Rus and, and Arpa were, were basically both from Mayav. And, and, um, and what happened was that Rus, Vatidbat Rus, Naomi, Rus attached herself at that famous fork in the road at that juncture in their life when Naomi was going back there to Israel and Naomi and Arpa were escorting her, and they really wanted to come back there to sell with her, be Megayer, and, 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 and remarry. So she dissuaded them, Naomi did. And Rus was very tenacious. She insisted, I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm not leaving. And sure enough, she went, and she ended up Marrying Bayaz the Gadol Adar, and she ended up having as a grandson David Amelech. Naomi Arpa, as opposed to, she decided to not go with with uh, with with Naomi. And an amazing Chazal, Chazal tell us that that night, that night that she left the she left the uh, the, the the company of Naomi, she encountered an army of a hundred soldiers and a dog and Chazal tell us that she was Baal Kulam that she had relations with every one of them the hundred men and the Kelev and Chaim Shmulevitz has a whole sicha about this how such a thing could happen but the terrorists is the same Bart because she comes from they both come from light and light had this midah he had this decision to make should I go with Avram Avinu should I stay and hitch my wagon to Avram Avinu or should I not? He decided not. And all of his male descendants for all time can never come back in. Naomi and Arpa, his female descendants, where there was a big tumult in halacha, whether or not they were allowed to marry into the Jewish fold or not, whether you Mayavis or not. And Baya said you he had a Kabbalah, mi bestina shal Shmuel Aramasi. He had a Kabbalah from the bestin of Shmuel that it's permissible to marry. So he married her. But this was the the question whether you can marry them or not. But they came from light, and so it's fascinating, I think, to see the the foil characters of Rus versus Arpa. 
and how Rus particularly was Zaychet to David Amalek because she sort of undid the Avera of light. When she was faced with this decision, should I stay with Naomi? Should I attach myself to the Kedusha of Naomi? Or should I go back and, and, and go back to the, the decadence of where I come from? She made the decision not to follow what her grandfather White did, but rather I'm going to hold on to you. I'm not going to be Latayli of Akesh Nifrod. And so she was Zechet Abdovan Amelech. Arpa, on the other hand, made the decision exactly in lockstep with White. She also decided to be pirate, to separate from, from Naomi. She had the chance, just like Rus did, to follow Naomi and Paris as well. But she said, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do my own thing. And that very night, just like Light had his precipitous decline, and Mamish when the Igra Ramla Bira Mitzah, that's exactly what happened to Arpa. That very night, she went from a state of Kedusha to the state of the lowest form of Tumah, all because of the same exact template that Light made many, many years earlier when he separated from Avraham Avinu. And we have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very careful not to follow in the footsteps of light. Because we are also, we are in yeshiva, we're in a makam terah, Baruch Hashem. But even when we're in yeshiva, and especially in this day and age, in 2009, in America and throughout the world, there are tremendous taivas. I don't have to tell you, there are tremendous taivas in the world. And so very, very often, it's very easy to sort of have this passion struck. What do I do? Do I stay in yeshiva or do I maybe make a decision to follow my taivas? And so we have to see exactly what triggered light to make this faithful decision of leaving Avraham Avinu and going to Sadaim. And if we could find out what that trigger was, what activated light's decision then perhaps we could know how to avoid the mistake of light. And I think it's very evident, if you look in the parsha, what exactly happened. The parsha says that Vayisa light as Enav. Light lifted up his eyes. Very, very, you know, the Gemara, the Torah is all of a sudden waxing poetic. Vayisa light as Enav. It doesn't say Vayar light. Light lifted up his eyes. Vayaras called and he saw the beauty of the Yarden, he saw the amazing territory of the Kikar Yarden, including Sadaim and Amaira, and he said, That's where I want to go. And I think that the Torah is trying to tell us a message that the beginning of the Nefilah, the beginning of the downfall of light, started because he lifted up his eyes. Everything is totally in the eyes. When a person makes a decision that I'm going to stay in yeshiva, that means that not just that I'm going to be in yeshiva, but it means that I'm going to keep my eyes guarded as best as I can. Obviously, sometimes we have to go outside the doors of yeshiva. Sometimes we have to look up things in, for our classes. And sometimes that involves, unfortunately, going on the internet. But you have to be very, very careful because the eyes, everything is totally in the eyes. If a person has shmir senayim, if a person is able to really make sure to know that my eyes are my eyes, it's a precious gift that the Rabbi Shalom gave me, and I have to really think a thousand times before I look at anything that I might not be allowed to look at, 
then a person is going to certainly have a higher odds of probability of staying on the straight and narrow path in Torah. The problem is that when we begin to make our eyes hefker, when we begin by Yisa Leitas Einam, when we start looking around, we leave the base Medish of Avram Avinu, we go outside of the Isle of Avram, and we lift up our eyes and see what's out there, then all of a sudden one thing leads to another and we find ourselves toying with the ideas of Sadaim and Amir. There's a Meir de Gavart on this week's parsha from the Baal Chumas Hadeshin. We know there's a, a classical Sefer of Chumas Hadeshin. He has a Pirish al It's called Biure Hamarai, Mem He Resh Aleph Yud. And he says a Meir de Gavart. It's a gorgeous story. You have to listen to the Vart. The wife of light. What happened to her? What happened to her was, we know, famous Misa on the Torah, she left Sadaim, she was warned on the way out when she was, when White and, and his wife were rescued from Sadaim with the daughters. They were told, don't look back. Do not look back at Sadaim. Just keep walking, just keep going, don't look back. And what happened was, of course, she gave in to the Taiva, she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. And the question is, why did she become a pillar of salt? Why didn't she just vaporize? Why didn't she become ashes? Why didn't she become chocolate? Why did she have to become a pillar of salt of all things? What did, what, what, what's the significance of, of salt? So the Chumas Hadeshin says an amazing part. The Shemas Adeshin says, what happened to Sadaim? Sadaim turned into salt. The Pasuk says, Kemapecha Sadaim Amaira. Gopris Vamelach Sweifa Kalarza. This is a Pasuk in Sefer Devarim that sulfur and salt will become your land just like the Mapecha Sadaim and Amaira. Sadaim and Amaira were turned into sulfur and salt. Listen to what the Trumas Hadeshin says. When a person looks at Sadaim, when the wife of light turned around and looked at Sadaim, and Sadaim was suffering the fate of turning into salt, she became Sadaim. She became salt because that was the fate of Sadaim was her fate. What the Trumas Hadeshin is telling us is that when a person looks at something, that's what he is. When you look at Sadaim and Sadaim is salt, you become salt. And that's a very scary thought. Because what that means is that when we look at something, we become part of that thing. We think that we're able to sit in our dorm rooms, sit in our in our living rooms, in our offices, and surf the internet, let's say, or look at movies, and we're able to it's just entertainment. This is something that I enjoy doing. I need to chill out a little bit. I had a hard day of learning. I had a hard week of school. And I just need to relax a little bit. So I want to watch something. And this is entertaining. Okay. So, and what it is, it is. I'm looking at a screen. And the screen has certain images on it. But the images are where they are. And I'm still Yeshiva Bach. I'm still where I am. And I could shut down the, the machine. And I'm back to being good. But what the Shumas Hadeshin is telling us is a very important insight, and that is that when wherever you look, that's what you are. 
Just like there is an expression, you are what you eat, you are what you see. What you're looking at is you. It's not simply easy to turn on and off something. Because we know that even besides for the Vart of the true Masadashim, which is so true, that what we're looking at is if you're mamish in there, whatever you're looking at, you are part of it. But whatever you look at stays within you. Not only do you stay within that matzah that you are looking at, but what you're looking at becomes part and parcel of you. When a person sees images, when a person sees movies, we know that we might have forgotten Pisces the day after we see it, but what you see in terms of these Yetzirahs, they never ever leave you. You could see something when you were, when you were 13 years old and you'll still remember until you're 95 years old. That's just the way it is. Whatever you look at, whatever you observe, that becomes a part of you. And this is exactly what happened to Light. Light made the bad choice of moving to Sadaim, but that choice did not come in a vacuum. The choice of him moving to Sadaim happened because Vayisa Light is in Once you make a decision that I'm going to look at something, it's a slippery slope from there to actually going to Sadaim and being part of that society. And that's what happens time and again. When a person leaves yeshiva, it's not because he just decided that he wanted to try something new. It generally starts off because he actually went and he looked at something or he experienced something and because of that he got addicted. And from that addiction that led him to going away from Tyre to being pirate, to being Shino Parish. Last week, I gave a, uh, an introduction to, to a, a certain, um, um, like a communal uh, gathering that was trying to uh, educate parents of the community, all the four yeshiva katanas of the, of the community, um, about the, the evils of the internet. And it was, we had an expert that came in, and he, he basically is a... Like a he he's like a sheriff or something in up in upstate New York and he's a from guy who he does investigations into online crimes like things that we shouldn't be looking people look at things that are illegal and he goes and arrests and that's his official job but he made it his life's business to go and to uh, inform parents and from communities all over the globe about exactly what's going on on the internet because. You guys know what's going on on the internet because you're that generation that, that, that grew up almost with it. The kids that are growing up now, mamish with it, are much more informed than you are probably. But my generation are people that, we, I told you many that we didn't grow up with the internet, Baruch Hashem. There was no, there wasn't, the, I mean, there was, I told you, there was TV with four channels and most of them there was really nothing to watch on. So not saying that it was, uh, you know, that it, was, uh, it wasn't an Abrach, but it was a lot, lot better than it was Today, today, I don't know how kids grow up and, and stay from with all the taivas that, that are so readily available on every Palm Pilot, every Blackberry, every, every internet, every iPod, every, every Xbox. But this person that came to speak said such unbelievable things about what's going on and the taivas that people have and how it mamish wrecks everything in life. A person thinks that, you know, the internet is something that I need. 
And it's true that it is something that many people do need. You need, in the real world out there, you need to check stock quotes, you need email, and you need to look things up. And even in college, of course, you can't go, in my day, when we wanted to look something up, you go to the library, if you wanted to do a report about something, and there was actual physical books on the shelf, and you went and you found like a 1973 World Book Encyclopedia, and you opened it up, and then, and that's basically how you did a book report. Nowadays, that doesn't exist. Today, you go on to Google, and you basically, you know, type in whatever you need, you cut and paste, and you get an A. It's a completely different, it's a different world. And so, but along with the mindless of the internet, I'm sure that saves a lot of time, but there are so many chesreinus. There are so many overwhelming reasons to completely throw the internet in the garbage by tashlich. On the way to tashlich, everyone should throw their computers into the water because that is the avi'avaisatoma. And people have it in their homes and they think that it's a chash of a thing. They put it in their living room. It's as if it's like a piece of the, uh, a piece of the furniture and they think it's like a chash of a thing. And maybe parts of it we justify, well, there's plenty of terror on it, there's terror anytime, and there's you know, a lot of good on the internet, of course. But that is part of the Sahara luring us away from what we should be doing. There's no denying that the internet pulls people away from Torah mitzvahs. It ruins marriages because adult men or women have become addicted. They don't want, and they, they look at things that, uh, that are un, unspeakable. Yeshiva Bachram also. People are completely, it's so easy, it's so accessible. There's no, it, it's just, and so because of this terrible thing, people are being perished from, from Torah. It's mamish begadir l'tayvi vakish nitrod. It's nothing short of what light did. We lift up our eyes, we open, and in a moment of weakness, everything goes. We're able to completely abandon whatever we've learned, any kedusha, any tara, falls to the wayside because we have it, it's accessible, and therefore we want it. Don't follow your heart and your eyes, and Chazal say, the eye first sees something, and then the heart desires it, and then the Sahara draws you near to it. And the problem with, with this is that there's no real solution. Because you can't throw it in the garbage completely, because like we said, you need it. But there has to be a shmirah. There has to be an understanding that if a yeshiva bacher wants to remain a yeshiva bacher, and if he wants to stay from, and he wants to be able to grow in his learning, he has to make a conscious decision that I'm not going to give in to the taiva of ayisas in avayar. You have to make sure to not go into places that you shouldn't be going into on the internet. Now, a lot of times that will be easier said than done because we know in Apotropos Larias it's very hard if you're alone in a room and you're in a funny mood and you have opportunity and accidentally you're, you know, you go and you see things so there are eights there's filters but just like we learned upstairs that the filters to get out the, the bugs, the copepods on the sink from the water is really highly ineffective unless you mamish have like a super duper industrial type of thing, 
The same thing is true with every filter. You're going to get any, go to any of these websites that, you know, the from, the from businesses, Yeshiva, Net, and uh, all these types of things in there. It's obviously much better than nothing. But we know in Yeshiva, we tried, we built a filter here many years ago because this was a very, very big concern in the early stages of Yeshiva. We did not want to have mashkiach. I'm not. I don't. What do I, I, I have enough to worry about on my own. I have to worry about 100, 200 guys having free access to the internet. So we spent fifteen thousand dollars to try to build a perfect filter to control what was being fed into into the the web, into the uh, the servers here in yeshiva, on the dorms, and in in in, in the and in, in the libraries, and. One thing we found, it took a day or two after we spent $15,000, and we found that it's completely a brachal of atalos, it was thrown out money. Because if you are a little bit computer savvy, you know exactly how to get around it, and there are proxy sites, I don't have to tell you guys, I'm sure you all know, or some of you might know a lot better than I do, but it's very, even a filter is very, very hard to, uh, to, um, to, to really, to make a perfect filter. And this is what this expert said also. So there is another concept, which an alumni actually, some of you might know him, he's, uh, he used to be an abayas here. And we're, we're working together on making, and you can come up to me afterwards if you're interested maybe in joining. There's something called Web Chaber. There's a few. There's another site, Ayn Raya. It's really adapted from technology that Gaia made, because even Catholics... <laughs> We're very concerned about this problem. They also had these kids going off the derech from Catholicism. Wow, uh, who wants to be a Catholic if you can, you know, if you can do everything out, out there on the internet? And so they made a, a, a brilliant idea. And the idea is like this: I give, I sign up, cost let's say I don't know twenty dollars a month, let's say. And what happens is daily or weekly, all the sites that I visited gets emailed to my mother, to my father, to my mashkiach, to my Rosh Hashiva, and to, uh, and to a couple of good friends of mine. So that way, and it's, you have to do this. You have to, in other words, you can't stop it, and if you tamper with it, that also gets sent to all of them that you're playing around with something. And so it's a voluntary way of guarding from your own Shemir, guarding your Shemir Sinai on your own. Meaning, the filter is assuming that you know, that you want to do it and we don't want you to do it and now it's a cat and mouse game. But then there's a maturity that I don't want to do it on my own. I don't, I don't, I don't want, I want to protect my eyes. And I know that if I'm, I'm weak, because we're all weak, we all have the Yetzirah, we're bus of a dumb. And so if I voluntarily know, I submit all of my, the addresses that I visit on the internet to all of these people, to five people, and they're going to look at where I see, I'm going to be very careful about where I visit. I don't want my mom knowing that I went to this side and that side. I really don't. And I certainly don't want my rabbeim knowing about it. And it's a brilliant idea, and it's one that we should definitely discuss, because it's something that you should consider for yourselves, make your own groups, and do this. It doesn't have to be institutional. But everything has to be done with a seichel, because it's so important. Because you're living, and we're living in this age of computers and the rapid technology. And, and it's funny because the filters was something that we were toying with, we were experimenting with, I said, maybe five, six years ago, in the earlier years of yeshiva. But now, like, the whole thing is a joke. 
Because even if we would have had a perfect filter, there's some, there's Wi-Fi, and you can hook up things for, you buy things in a store that you mamish, you can completely circum, circumvent anything today. You have a laptop, you have a, an iPod, you have a Blackberry, you can get around, you don't need to go through yeshiva's filters, as you know. And so the whole thing is really a buffalo of Atal. The only, the last, the last possible fortress that can be built against the internet is ones that we're going to have to build ourselves, for ourselves, to protect ourselves, because otherwise nothing is going to be there to help us. And so it's a maturity, it's something that I understand that, you know, we like our privacy and we don't really like to submit to, you know, what this personal information to other people. And if you have a better solution than I'm all years come from, I'm, I'm looking for one. But this is something that you need to think about, you need to consider, because it's not a problem that's going away. It's a problem, if this is a problem when we're in yeshiva, and when we're in the sviva of Ramavino, and still light can be by Yisein of Ayar, it doesn't get better once you leave yeshiva, once you go out to the workplace, after you get married, and you move away from yeshiva, and you have a job in, a, in corporate America, the Taivas certainly don't get less. And so, and the internet is not going away, and the people that think that it is, is ma- are making a very foolish mistake. It's just getting cooler, and smaller, and better, and clearer. And this is, the same thing is true, by the way, not just for the internet. It's true for DVDs. It's true for, for, for monitors. It's true for all the eight Sahara has it all worked out. Somebody a few years ago showed me because we used to like be very Macbeth, and we still are officially on the books. It's usher to watch anything in the dorms. There's no TV allowed. There's no movies allowed. It's punishable by expulsion. But we thought that we were able to just, if we could just sort of do raids and, you know, once in a while have the Abayas go and look at any DVDs lying around and stuff, or, or videos at the time, uh, you know, lying around. We would be able to somehow, you know, rein in the problem. And then somebody showed me an iPad video and that you're able to stuff into this little thing the size of a credit card 300 movies clearer than any movie that I ever saw in my life. And so I said, as soon as I saw that, I said, the game is over. The Yitzhahara won, I surrender. There is nothing else left to be done. If a person can, under his sheets, look at, under his blankets, look at uh, an iPad video, uh, that's it. There's nothing, uh, what, what can we do? The terrorist says, we can't do anything. But we have to do things for ourselves. There's a point in life that the only solution is I have to save myself from things that I'm looking at. Because I have to understand that if I don't, then anything is possible. Don't think that, don't make a mistake and think, well, but I'm, I'm a Tamil Chacham and I'm a Ben Tairan, and this is just I'm something I do on the side. Light, there is probably no bigger Ben Tairan at the time than light. Avram certainly felt that he was a brother of his, I mean that he was very Chashiv. And yet we see how a person can fall so quickly that before you know it, it's one website to another website and then a third website, pack your bags out of yeshiva on your own volition. Because I don't, I, I, I have to go to Sadaim, I have to follow this, I have to, I, I have to sow my wild oats, I have to see what I'm missing out there. It's, it's not impossible for such a thing to happen. And the only person that's really going to be able to be a shimer for you is you. It's a maturity, and it's something that I'm not saying what to do, but I'm just giving some food for thought that it's something that we have to do. Don't think that anyone is immune. No one is immune. I'm telling you, I'm thinking of two guys in my mind. The best guys in yeshiva, 
the best guys in this yeshiva. I'm not talking about guys that were, you know, that weren't, you know, they came to every, everything, period. And they're no longer here. And I'm not saying that I know what they do and what they're not doing, but they're not doing a lot of things. And I'm not saying that I know exactly what caused it to happen, but it's sort of what we're talking about today. These are not guys that were any less than any of you. They might have been better even. And it's Shana Upirish Kashimikulam. If a person learns and then he gets a little bit of a taste of Ayam Haza and he looks at something he shouldn't hear there in another place, before you know it, everything starts to unravel, nothing is interesting. As Gishmak as a Rambam might be in a Taisus and a Pnei Yeshua, it's very hard to compete against what's going on in Sadaim and Amayur, period. This is a problem for light. And if it was a problem for light, it's certainly possible that it's a problem for you and I. And if it's a problem for you and I, then we have to make sure to do anything that we can. And it's not going to happen by institutional edict because it's too late for that. We know all these things. That was maybe, that, it's very 1990s to discuss it as an institutional issue. It's not. It's a 2009, 2010 issue, which means that it's something that, and we don't even know, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg of technology. Who knows? I'm sure that it's going to be on our watches before you know it, the internet. They might even, you know, embed a chip into our bodies that we'll be able to see things on our glasses and whatever it is. And you're laughing, but it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. And so it's just a matter of time. And so we have to try to ebb the rising tide of the taiva and the neof and all of the eight saharas that are rising and threatening to to drown us in the sea of, of, what, of decadence that we're surrounded by. And like last week in Parshas Noyach, when there's a mabal, you have to build a table. And the table has to be watertight. It has to be mebayis and mechutz tetzapenu. You have to seal it very well from the inside and outside. Make sure that you're not allowing anything extraneous to get in. And it's a very difficult thing because if you're using the internet by definition, you're bound to see things. If you're going through your email, there will be pop-up ads, and there will be sometimes you're, you're, you type in the wrong thing, or you Google something and something else comes up. You're bound to see things that you're not supposed to see. I don't have the eights. I wish I could come up here and say, I have the perfect answer. I found the filter that's going to work. It's not true. There is no solution other than our own maturity and our own realization that we have to be the guardians of our eyes. We have to be Shema and Ayim. If we are Shemra and Ayim, then anything is possible. You can rise to heights of Kedusha that you never knew. This is what all the Svarim say. The secret to a person being Makadish oneself starts and ends with the eyes. The eyes are the, the first gates into the world of Kedusha, and they're the first gates into the world of Tumah. And if we make the decision that we are not going to have we're not going to court and invite Taivas into our mind and our hearts by looking at things that we're not supposed to. But rather we're going to use our eyes appropriately. Dafka to look at Ram Shabakdusha, at Taira, at a sitter, at helping out our friend, at being as as completely isolated in our eyes at least, not necessarily from the world, but guarding our eyes from things that we are able to avoid, then in Mirza Hashem, we should be able to then be Zaycha to have Vahaya Machanecha Kadesh. We'll be able to raise ourselves and raise our families with the environment of Taira and Mitzvahs and Kedusha and Taira as deep down inside we want. 
And as the Rabbani Shalom wants from us, and hopefully in Mitzvah Hashem that will happen, but the decision starts with us. Have a good job.